This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Post Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you would like to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC is the number to reach us. 800-848-9222. And, of course, there's plenty to talk about. You heard Noam discussing... The uh, riot yesterday. That was breaking news during our Boston early rush hour. We were getting all set to talk with Representative Byron Donalds out of Florida, which we, we did talk with him. But before that, yeah, then we get word that there's a riot going on. That was the name, by the way, of a very successful album. Slying the family stone back in the day. There's a riot going on. Uh, Twitch streamer Kai Sinat. I don't, I'd never heard of this guy before. He's got like a gazillion. Of course you did, Nick. You're, you're in the whole, that whole age range. You probably play video games. You probably. And and so yeah, you got a guy who says I'm giving away PlayStations, and then you get how many people showed up. Now you read some reports he has the influencer who has more than twenty million followers, and then you read another one, the influencer boasts a following of over thirteen million people. There's a big difference between thirteen and. 20 million, but I mean, who's counting? Either way, he's popular. And I mean, okay, Nick, you said you 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 know who this guy, what makes him so popular? Why is Kai Sinat popular? What does he do? Why is he a celebrity? It seems to me that he's one of those um, Twitch stream entertainers that uh, not necessarily sits there and does something like plays a video game or does music. He's kind of just like a live personality, a bit like a radio host, but more like more tailored towards a younger audience. And it's a bit more spontaneous. What does he do? What does he do? What does he actually do? He, he, he kind of, he kind of just exists. He, do? he uh, sometimes he'll um, watch popular music videos and just kind of have a little rapport with his audience um, he'll, he'll sometimes, you know, report on news or just popular things happening on with the, happening within the Twitch space. You know, there's a, he's part of a community of other kind of, um, Twitch streamers that kind of entertain like he does. He's, he's, um, he's known for being the highest follower, follower count because he did, um, what's called like a, a subathon. He stayed live 
for uh, a very extended period of time, like something like 24 or 48 hours, and just racked in lots and lots of subscribers and followers, and that's what put him at the very top as of late. And I think uh, that's why there was such a huge crowd over at Union Square. Okay. Thank you. All right. He was issued a desk appearance ticket, and then he's free to go home. Okay, come on in here. Uh, Come back, and you'll go to court. And uh, thanks. Okay, bye. Now, here's what was reported at the scene. At least three police officers, four civilians, Injured, 65 people taken into custody. This riot lasted for for three hours. And by the way, 30 of the 65 taken into custody were juveniles, juvies. Videos showed them tossing cones, bottles, and rocks at each other. At each other. Okay, ooh, hot fun in the summertime as well as innocent innocent passerbyers. One 17-year-old taken to the hospital with what authorities initially believed was a gunshot wound. But later to uh, that was later to discover to be uh, injury sustained after the team was hit with fireworks. And then other people, one person says they saw people leaving there with their heads split open, Cuts, bruises, lacerations, and that was before it was over. They just they destroyed food carts, they damaged stores, they vandalized several police cruisers, including the chief of police. And they give this guy a desk appearance and ticket. Hey, you started a riot. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, Mister Twitch Streamer, could you would you please maybe, pretty please, come back to court, and so we can maybe figure out what we want to do with you. All of, and, and what does does Twitch bear any responsibility for this at all? Does this platform that was used to encourage this riot in New York? Was it a riot or a gathering of hoodreds? That's, that is AI. What was the question, AI? Was it a riot or a gathering of hoodreds? Ah, was it a riot or a gathering of hoodreds? Well... I, that's a, well, AI, interesting. Uh, Derek Hunter is here. Derek is, Derek, Derek, have you seen any footage from the New York riot? I have, James, and happy Saturday to you. I, I'm trying, I'm reading a couple stories. I, I haven't followed, it's just like another riot. So, you know, you kind of get numb to these things. It's the day that ends in why, but I the, I never heard of the guy before either because I have better things to do than watch somebody watch things. But um, it, what was he giving away? 
I just see there was a giveaway. There was a giveaway. There was, they don't say what they were giving away. What is it that brought out thousands of people? No, they, they did. He, he, um, he said he was going to give away PlayStation. It was a PlayStation giveaway. And he was like, going to give away some other si- Now, I don't know how many, but my nephew told me, my nephew TJ told me, that this is something that he has done before. He has, he was going to give away 250 PlayStations. Okay. I have one, so I probably wouldn't stomp a car. You know, I can't promise that I wouldn't because there's resale value in it. But, you know, this is one of those things about humanity. And this is why what you're you're saying is so right, James. The, the book has to – not the book. The library has to be thrown. The Barnes & Noble has to be thrown. The Amazon has to be thrown at some of these people because these things keep happening. And if, if it's just a slap on the wrist and slap on the slap on the wrist sort of becomes a badge of honor. It becomes a rite of passage that you have to do. And there's no real consequence for it. It's not just these stupid giveaways and Internet celebrities. And God, can we get the sweet meteor of death to come along now that we have something called Internet celebrities? But it is the, the sports riots. I grew up in Detroit, 1984. We pioneered the sports riot, the I'm so happy I could flip a cop car and set it on fire feeling. I've, I've, never, I've, I've never experienced it. But when the Tigers won, they burned half the city, which, you know, it, it, they got away with it because it's Detroit. You couldn't really tell. But people went nuts. And then ever since then, because nobody's really cracked down on it, they haven't had serious jail time for it. The team wins and the city burns. The team loses and the city burns. And people flip cars and people pound on cars. So you, your election go, doesn't go the way you want. Somebody flips the car. I have never been so happy that I've wanted to commit property destruction. I don't know. Maybe that's a def- defect in me. It's something I've missed out on in life. But it's never occurred to me, like, this is a great moment. I really just want to destroy something. Um, it, I, I imagine it's a lot like being a New England sports fan, a Boston sports fan. There's, the only thing worse in the world than a fan of the Boston Red Sox when they're losing is a fan of the Boston Red Sox when they're winning. And it's just how people celebrate. They have emotional connections to things rather than to people. And it's weird. I don't know. Maybe it's just exacerbated in the Internet age. But when you don't have a, when you have more of a connection to things like teams, like video games, like some nebulous creature on the Internet rather than real human beings in real life, I suppose looking at what somebody has worked hard for as an object to destroy rather than something to just leave alone out of respect because you don't want your stuff destroyed becomes common. I don't know what the problem is, but if without really punishing people, really punishing people, throwing the book at them. I mean, the president of the United States is facing more jail time for cutting a check to a porn star, which is perfectly legal, than this guy is for inciting a riot. How screwed up is that? Believe it or not, he makes over $23,000 a month from streaming while he sleeps. Are you humans really entertained by watching each other sleep? That was AI. Apparently this guy, he earns. He earns. Derek, Derek, 
He earns twenty three grand a month sleeping. People watch him sleep. They watch him. What the? What the? People, people are incredibly stupid. See, you and I, James, we're not rich because we keep looking for something of value to add, thinking that you have to add value, you have to bring value. Like customers aren't going to buy your, you know, you get a cold and you blow it into a Kleenex. Nobody's going to buy that, so you throw it away. There are people who would buy it. Apparently, we're thinking we're thinking far too hard about providing value for people's money when there are just a whole bunch of idiots out there who are begging anybody to go, please take my money. Please take it. Just get it away from me. I don't want it. Do you think that if we did like, let's say let's say we split this up, Derek, and we put a camera in our bedrooms while we No, I would not ever do. But. I mean, maybe um, maybe you could. I mean, you make babies. You know, you uh, it could be people could watch you while you sleep, Derek, and you could earn money. Well, if they watch me while I sleep, anything else, they're not welcome to view. But I for mean, twenty, I, I'll tell you what, I'll save all these morons like ten grand. I'll do it for I'll do it for twelve grand a month. You can watch as close up on my pillow as I sleep. Okay. That'll now, be my contribution Mitch, to humanity. Okay. Last night, let's move on from, and I don't know, I'm not going to answer AI's first question, would I define this as a bunch of hood rats? Because I try not to do any name calling on this program, but if you look at the pictures, look, the pictures speak for themselves. I know a lot of people are looking at those pictures today and those videos and they're saying, Mm-hmm. There they go again. There they again? go. What are you talking about? The pictures of the riot. There they yeah, go I know. again. I, I am unfamiliar with what you're speaking of. What are you saying? Okay. Well, just look at the video again. Teens. And teens. But the media says teens. No, it's not teens. It's not just teens. Okay, I guess I'm going to have to go there since you didn't give me any help. (laughs) It's my my job. Well, considering my pay, my job is to do the opposite. (laughs) Okay. The racial component of the crowd and the... Mr. Streamer himself that makes $23,000 a month sleeping and people watching him sleep are overwhelmingly, how shall we say, people of color. And that's what color? A, they, 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 they're of color and people of color. <laughs> but you have they, blue, they have, man group, blue man group flunkies out there burning stuff? You're close. It's not quite blue, but you're close. Right. And so you have all these kids out there acting like, how shall we put it? You're coming. Stupid has no skin color. It just so happens this time. But look, you watch whoever wins the BCS championship, that college will burn. It'll be people who look like me. There's, There's. 
stupid and that's the one consistency well one of the many consistencies across all of our species is there are some really stupid members of it <laughs> and i love your answer because when i looked at this i'm this is a disgrace but you don't see Derek, okay, let's let's get real here. There are certain things that you don't see in America. Now, if you go overseas, you may see them. You don't see certain groups, certain groups in America, in the streets rioting because they have their hand out for something. Like, for instance, you would never see, oh, gosh, don't. I'm just going to leave it alone because there's no good that could come out of this conversation. There's no good that can come out of this. It doesn't have to be good to come out of the truth. It can just be the truth. There are some cultures. There are some cultures that teach their children better than this. You don't see games. James, I'll, oh, I'll bail you. Out. Yes, that doesn't. That culture doesn't have a skin color. That culture has. It's a culture. There are. It's mostly the left wing hip hop culture, and there are lots and lots of kids who look like me who are into that crap too. And it's a. It's not. It's about victimhood. It's not about a certain type of victimhood. It's about a you're screwed and it's over and life is so hard. And it's always done by millionaires talking about how life is so hard and you'll never get ahead. And like, well, how did you do it? Well, that's different. The same as the Democratic Party, Elizabeth Warren. You'll never get ahead. The system is rigged. Like, well, you grew up on an Indian reservation or something to hear you tell the story. And now you're a multimillionaire (laughs) United States senator. Barack Obama grew up with two parents, neither of whom wanted anything to do with him. He was left with his grandparents because his father's never around. His mom wanted to go pursue other men. And somehow he managed to attend the most expensive school in Hawaii and then get into three of the most prestigious universities in the country while by his own admission, which we turn now find out is probably a complete lie, smoking a lot of weed, not doing any schoolwork in the Choom Gang in high school. How the hell did that happen? If the system is if the system is rigged, is the secret to beating the system, screwing around? No, it's not. It's hard work. These people put in the work. They don't they seem to think that they're special, that they're somehow unique and nobody else can do it. They don't they know that that's a lie, but the lie is politically advantageous to them, so they tell it. But it is a lie. And everybody of different races, people of different races, fall for that lie constantly. I wonder if we ever will get the full tally of what store owners suffered, what the total damage was, the extent of the of the cost of the medical for the people that were injured down there in a riot. And I don't know. I you know maybe but it won't matter. Right. Do you this, think Alvin Bragg's gonna pursue the case? He's not gonna they're gonna be there'll be insurance. No, he's too busy. Pages report. We'll do it. But the charges will be remember the riots in St. Louis and you know uh, the I can't remember the couple who defended their house simply by saying don't come to the McCloskeys. Yeah, the McCloskeys. They the charges against everybody involved in that riot except the McCloskeys were dropped by the prosecutor. That's right. We're not going to pursue any of the lawbreakers. It's the people who defended themselves against them who are the real problem. And it'll be the same situation in New York. You'll find out eventually somebody will say it'll be paragraph 15 of a news story remembering one year ago today, et cetera, et cetera. But 
that's it. It doesn't matter. It should be Exhibit A in charges against the participants, but it won't be because they'll all get away with it. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC. We are coming back in a moment. Do not go away. On this day, there's some reference somewhere to it with the Rolling Stones and Miss You. That's right, number one on the uh, U.S. singles charts on this day in 1978. This record is that old? 1978, Rolling Stones. Miss you, baby. Wow. James Golden. Snurdly. And with me, the amazing columnist, podcaster, my friend Derek Hunter. 800-848-WABC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77. We, the crown jewel of American radio. It's not your Toto brings us back on WABC. A drummer for Toto, Jeff Beccaro, died on this day, age 38, young man of a heart attack. Now, his death has become something of a controversy. Some say that the attack was caused by an allergic reaction to a garden pesticide. Others say his heart was weakened by, by a, you know, and, and, and he smoked. Yeah. This was a huge hit. George Porgy. Cheryl Lynn is singing on this. In the back, in the in the vamp of the song? Yeah. 
That is Cheryl Lynn. Who would, of course, go on and have her own hit single, Got to Be Real. Oh, we should play that in the next uh, Got to Be Real, Cheryl Lynn. Derek, I have to ask you this. This is some inside Washington stuff. So today it's being reported that more than 440 reporters are going to lose their press passes. <laughs> After the White House changed the uh, the requirements. Mm-hmm. And this all seems to be targeted at that African guy that keeps interrupting. <laughs> Yes. That actually asks tough questions and doesn't cut the um the uh the press doll there, um um Jean P- Jean Karine Jean Pierre. He doesn't seem to cut historic. her a break. So historic. Sim- so historic. Yeah. And so there are a lot of complaints from him. Uh but uh, but right now they're saying there's still gonna be nine hundred and seventy five people with What's called a hard press pass? Do you have a press pass for the White House, Derek? No. Hmm. Does anybody care about this except the insiders? Well, the American public should, because much like Democrats always talk about, you know, the voters should pick their politicians, not the politicians picking their voters. When they whine about gerrymandering everywhere in Republican states, but ignore California or Maryland, ignore blue state gerrymandering. This is the administration picking those people who dare question them. You know, there's certain people you can't exclude, certain outlets they would love nothing more than to exclude, but they can't exclude because it's a little too on the nose. But you start with the so-called fringe. And then once you cut the fringe off, suddenly the uh, the people who are viewed now as mainstream relative to the so-called fringe, according to the left, then they become the new fringe. And so you might not get caught up in this purge. You might not get caught up in the next purge, but you probably won't survive the purge after that. And that's what this is. This is narrowing the field of people who can get questions asked by this administration. See, I've always thought that Republicans, presidents didn't have the gonads to do what they should have done. Like when when George Bush used to stand up in front of these very hostile reporters and the same thing with Donald Trump. I mean, these people were openly hostile. They just repeated Democrat talking points. You can never get a balanced story out of them. I wondered for years, why, why do, why does the white house treat the Washington press corps like they're a bunch of sacred cows. Why not just start telling some of these people, you know what, you're openly biased, you're openly, you know, you're you're a Democrat shill. No, we're not going to ever let you ask a question again. No, until your your outlets actually do some fair reporting. And by fair, I don't mean favorable, Derek. I mean... Look, I believe that a free press should have the ability to ask, of course, the hard questions. I don't, regardless of who it is, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think that if you're a member of the White House, whether it's a Democrat White House or a Repo- I, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to watch 
Sam Donaldson relentlessly go after Richard Nixon. And he was just rude and abrasive and nasty. And then Dan Rather. Go after Ronald Reagan. And I was like, you weren't a kid during Ronald Reagan. But okay, never mind. He went back to Nixon. I didn't know Donaldson had been around that long. I remember Donaldson sort of being a, a, a thorn in the side of the Reagan White House. Oh, he was a jerk to Richard Nixon. That's where he cut his bones. And I think people back then were genuinely shocked because they weren't used to seeing reporters behaving nastily toward the president. That's where, to me, that's the guy that got it all started, Sam Donaldson. And then you had Dan Rather try to make his chops going after people, and he was another one that just became obnoxious. So I, my, I've always wondered why the White House didn't just tell some of these obnoxious, openly biased reporters, go to hell. You're not, you don't have a right to be in here, and they don't. A particular news outlets do not have a right. They could do pool coverage. They could pick up the news from everybody else. No one person has a right to be in that room. And I thought that that would be a way to handle it. But do you disagree with well, that? There's also the, the way that uh, the historic Corinne Jean-Pierre handles Peter Ducey. Uh, she calls on him occasionally, but not every time. They, she ignores the Fox chair. It's not just Simon Abeta. It is anybody who dares get critical. Bill Wegman of Real Clear Politics doesn't get a question very often because he's not going to slobber all over her the way that the NBC News correspondent is. But it's the media as a whole. And you're right. They should have them in there and they should do what Republicans need to do more often. And it's, you know, get their uh, manhood to descend and listen to a question and say, Look, that's a ridiculous question. I'm not going to answer it. That's a biased question. You know, I could just go to the DNC's website and read their talking points. I don't need to call on you. Can you come up with something original? When you look at what the Washington Post, what the Washington Post tweeted out uh, on Thursday, I'm going to read it to you just to demonstrate that they don't even care anymore. They used to try to pretend to not be biased. And when you called them out, they were not biased. Now they don't even care. They tweeted out, Republican presidential hopeful and right-wing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has agreed to finally meet California's Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom on the debate stage. So Ron DeSantis is not only a Republican presidential hopeful, but he's right-wing Florida governor, whereas Gavin Newsom, who is going to the mattresses to make sure that not only parents retain the ability to castrate chemically or physically their children, but to make sure that children can do it should their parents not be super keen on the idea, is just listed as California's Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom. Right. And by the way, I'm happy that they're going to debate each other. This is kind of like the proxy presidential debate. This is, It'll be this nice is, to see. There's a, there's at least a strong possibility that issues will be discussed in this debate in a serious way, which will be a nice, refreshing change. Right. By the way, let me ask you a question about this. If you're Donald Trump, do you go to the do you go to the uh, do you go to the debate? Um, I, I would, because I think he should, I think he owes it to voters, but I think that he thinks that the voters owe him and he's so far ahead that he doesn't have to. And I I don't know. I think for all his bluster, I'm ahead, I'm winning, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other thing, then walk in and peacock in front of everybody and prove 
that you deserve that title, that leadership spot, rather than say, I'm taking my ball and going home because somebody might hit a home run off me. Number one, we like, played this at the top of like the hour. I don't like politicians who run away from a fight, especially when they talk about how much they love to fight. I love the, the, uh, what he said last night about, hey, I just need one more indictment to win this and to win, to win the election. Now, the DOJ prosecutors have also requested a gag order uh, after Donald Trump's arraignment. They, he posted on True Social, all caps, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. And immediately, the Justice Department Special Counsel Jack Smith ran into court and we can't, we have to restrict his speech. We, we, we need a strict order. He can't mention any details from the discovery documents or evidence. And, and later on, Trump said he wasn't even talking about the indictments, that he was talking about, um, uh, what was it? He was talking about something else. Newsweek has that story. Um, he, he said he was, he was actually talking about, and I'll find the story and say exactly what it says that he was talking about. He wasn't talking about these indictments. But did you do you consider that to be a social media threat? If you go after me, I'm coming after you. These people have been coming after Donald Trump relentlessly. No, I mean, they, they have. Under normal circumstances, I wouldn't. But Donald Trump knows what he's doing. He goes up to the line. He leans over it. They, oh, a lot of people do it on social media. It's not like this is his first rodeo. He didn't just fall off the turnip truck. They know what they're doing. And, and it's part of the marketing gimmick. It's it's stupid. I think Donald Trump, the way I phrase it is the only way out of this for Trump is through it. And I, the charges are mostly garbage, as far as I can tell, being a non-lawyer. Sitting there trying to delay and delay, delay until after the election, I think, is the wrong strategy. I think you run towards Alvin Bragg and you say, I want this trial started yesterday. It's a garbage trial. And then you get you win in one of these cases or you get it thrown out or you get convicted, but you get it tossed on appeal quickly. And you say, see, see. They're all like this. They're all garbage. They're all witch hunts. They're all making it up. Whatever it is, the only way out is through and delaying and delaying and delaying. It's just going to make more. Look, I would think he'd want to get this over with, except for the fact that it's good for fundraising and it's good for his poll numbers. And that's, you know, it's not necessarily good for the country. And it would be much better for the country to see him crushing defeat one of these charges and say, see, this is what they're doing. I think it would go a long way toward saying what he's proving what he's saying, that this is the Justice Department being politicized. But they've made a different calculation for legal reasons or for financial reasons or whatever that they've decided to go another direction. And I think it's a mistake because while there's an immediate rally around the flag, over time there's an attrition that goes with that of people who look and go, Ugh, enough already. Let's put this to bed. When, okay. I, when Alan I've... Bragg said, in the Bragg case, when the first pretrial hearings weren't going to be for four months, I thought those charges were such garbage and made up, and there's no crime even alleged, that his lawyers should have said, no, Your Honor, we want to file motions next week. We want to get this over with. We This is such garbage. The motion to dismiss with prejudice should have already been written, and it should have been introduced at that hearing. But they've made different calculations for whatever reason 
and I think it's a mistake. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Yes, your calls will be a part of our show. We've got a lot to talk about today, a lot to do. James Golden, Bo Snurley here with you. Saturday morning, Derek Hunter, columnist, author, all-around good guy with us, too, this morning. And your calls are going to be with us. We're coming back right after this. This is Cheryl Lynn on WABC Talk Radio 77. Do not go away. WABC. George Duke on WABC. Musician insiders know his history. He is an amazing, was an amazing keyboard player. In the early days of jazz fusion, he and Billy Cobham did a record together that blew everybody away. And he played on so many, but he had a, a, a career in pop that was very successful, too. As a solo artist, and this is from one of the George Duke albums, I believe this was from the uh, Rainbow album, if I'm not mistaken. But he had so many albums, also a studio musician. He was on Off the Wall with Michael Jackson. He played with Frank Zappa. 30 solo albums. Just in America, he died today, this date, of leukemia in 2013. But an American musician that was just amazing. George Duke on WABC. Derek Hunter is with us here. So I found that thing, uh, Derek, The uh, what Donald Trump said that the statement he made that got all their panties in a wad over at DOJ, when he said, if you come after me, I'll come after you. He said he was talking about, uh, he said, here's the statement. It says, the truth post cited is the definition of political speech and was in response to the rhino, China-loving, dishonest special interest groups and super PACs like the ones funded by the Koch brothers and the club for no growth. That's what he said he was talking about when he said, if you come after me, I'll come after you. He wasn't talking about the indictments. He wasn't trying to threaten the special counsel who has made it his business to come after, to come after Donald Trump. And of course you have that, woman, uh, this Grisham woman who used to be in the administration, I think it's chilling. Legally, it doesn't seem like it's very smart, but how is that not intimidation? I mean, this is a political battleground that we're on. 
I don't understand what the big deal is of him saying, hey, you come after me, I'm coming back after you. We're in the middle of a political fight. I don't understand why such angst over such a, a, a statement. Derek? It, is, the, is the statement productive? No. Yeah, that's my problem. No, with it's it. not productive. But so what? That's my, well, you don't, at a certain point, doesn't a guy who says he can act the most presidential of anybody ever have to act presidential? Oh, we're beyond that act presidential business. No, but you know what? There, there would be something for Donald Trump. Well, the Democrats are rooting around in the feces for Donald Trump to stand back and just let them do it and say, this is ridiculous, and here's why. Look at what these people are doing. Be the adult in the room for once. You really want to throw Democrats for a loop. Be the adult in the room for once. They wouldn't know how well, to here's react. Something else, though, here's something else, though, Derek. Here's something else. And I, I talked about this with Byron Donalds yesterday, and I talked about it last week. I haven't seen yet any Republican standing in front of Capitol Hill, the elected Republican official saying, what's happening to Donald Trump is unconscionable, and when we don't go along with this two-tier system of justice. He's out there like he always has been by himself. I don't see Republicans ever circling the wagon around him. I don't see the kind of effort. When you, when you attack a Democrat leader, they circle their wagons. Republicans, they don't care that Donald Trump and the Republican Party is under assault from Joe Biden's government. They don't care. I don't think so, you've been looking at the right places if you aren't seeing people defending Donald Trump or saying that this is a witch hunt or that this is garbage. I don't, I don't know. How I to, see a few individual members. I don't see a unified party behind him. How many people have to do it? There are 435 members of the House of Representatives, and most people could name the seven that appear regularly on their cable news network. Most of them are busy doing other things. They will say things if asked, but quite frankly, the people covering Capitol Hill don't know who these people are. They're so far in the back bench. There's only really a, a handful of members in the House who matter, and everybody else is literally a backbencher. The Speaker, leadership, and a couple of key committee chairs are the only members of the House that matter. They're on board. They're out there speaking. That's it. You know, mm. here's the second represents uh, Nebraska seven. Who? What? No, it doesn't matter. At a certain point, it just becomes self-defeating and you drown out what you're trying to convey. I'm waiting for, De look, Derek, I'm waiting for Republicans to show that they have some spine. I'm looking for them to say to Democrats, you are going to pay a political price for what you are doing to this country. This is not is acceptable. Price losing the election, right? How do you make somebody pay a political price in the middle of a term? There's no elections, so there's the political. No, in twenty twenty four. And what? I mean, they should they should be letting them know that that by the way, okay, you think that it's okay to go after X. A former president, we think it's okay to go after your former secretaries of state. We think it's okay to go after when Joe Biden's term is finished. We can't wait to haul his behind if he's in the court, whether he knows he's there or not. I'm looking for something. 
that shows what? that these guys Donald are totally infuriated by to go after Donald Trump had the ability to go after Hillary Clinton. And as soon as he got sworn in, he basically declared amnesty for Hillary Clinton. George W. Bush had every opportunity and every reason to go after Bill Clinton and Al Gore for raising hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars from China on top of all the other corruptions. And we're looking forward, not backwards. So, like, what do you want? You had opportunity. I want to see, from this point on, I want to see these guys put on notice that they are not going to get away with destroying this republic, that you go at, you went after Donald Trump. Not one elected Democrat that has any hint of dirt around their name is going to be spared politically. That's what I want to see. Okay, it would just be better to do it. If you tell somebody you're going to do it, then that gives the people who are having it done to them the ability to say, see, they said they were going to do this. This is just, there's no merit to it. They're just picking on me. Don't tell somebody you're going to do something. Do it. Just do it. Okay, I'll take that. Hey, we got one more break. Let's grab it, and then let's grab a call or two. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you. WABC, it is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. When I was just oh, you know who this is. I asked my mother, what will I be? America's Day. sweetheart, Doris Day. Pretty, will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Okay, set off, set Her birthday, 1956. Today, Doris Day's birthday. Happy birthday, Doris Day on WABC. When I grew up and fell in love, I asked my sweetheart what lies ahead. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Written by Robert Hazard, who passed away this day back in 2008. This is Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun. Yeah, you wish. Derek, let's take a telephone call. Uh, Let's see. We have Carolyn in New Jersey. Carolyn, welcome. You're on WABC. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. It's always a pleasure to listen to you. I like the way you stand up for the people that you believe in, and you always make a very intelligent comeback to the people that are trying to say you don't know what you're talking about or find loopholes in what you're talking about. I agree with you. You're welcome, and I mean that sincerely. I agree with you about Donald Trump and the Republican Party, what you said about Every time something is said about a Democrat, they rally around. Everybody rallies around. I don't hear people rallying, rallying around Donald Trump. They leave him out there. They leave him to hang out there. And I, I think they have to, as you say, come back with a united front for this man. This man has put himself on a chopping block from day one. He has really 
nothing to gain as far as fame or fortune, notoriety. He has everything. I believe he's interested in the well-being of this country, is trying very hard to do something for all of us, even his enemies included, because they're part of this country. So that's, that's me. That's, that's what I believe. Thank you, Carolyn. I so appreciate that. Derek, any response to that? I think more people would rally around Donald Trump if Donald Trump stopped attacking everybody who didn't, you know, who dared disagree with him on anything or think, hey, maybe you probably shouldn't do that. Like, that's it. It's hard to rally around somebody who is likely to punch you in the face at some point. See, here's the thing, though, Derek. And I look, I understand what you're saying. It's like I, I had a, a discussion with a friend of mine last night who was, it wandered off into John McCain and the Obamacare vote. Right, did you really expect John McCain to hand Donald Trump a victory after Donald Trump? What he, that, that whole McCain Trump episode. But here's the thing. At some point, the Republicans ought to realize that what is happening to Donald Trump is not just happening to Donald Trump. The Democrats are destroying the institutions and the fabric of this country. And even if they don't like Donald Trump, they need to stand up at this moment or they risk, we, list, we, we really do risk losing our republic. If the Democrats are allowed to get away with this banana republic style persecution, I give you the last word because we got to go, Derek. I, I agree, except that it's just not going to happen. You, you want something from somebody, you need to, I don't know, maybe not be a jerk to them too, right? If Check you want out people on, to follow, to be worthy of following. Check him out on townhall.com. His columns. Check out his book. Google him, Derek Hunter. Derek, thanks for being here. We appreciate you. We got to go to news. WABC Talk Radio 77, the Saturday morning radio extravaganza will continue. If you're on hold, stay on hold. Don't go anywhere because we're coming right back. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number duo. It is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you want to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC's number to call, 800-848-9222. Noam Layden, WABC News. Noam, were you shocked, surprised at all? You followed the news more than anyone else. Were you surprised that after this riot took place, this quote-unquote influencer just got a desk appearance, summons, and walked out? No. I mean, people who are shoplifting get the same sort of thing. People who mug other people get the same sort of treatment. So I guess Kai Sanat is getting the same treatment those people are. The injuries, you had, you played a soundbite, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. 
I, this kid basically says, oh, we were just out giving love. This was, uh, do you have that? Of, can you play that again? Sure. Um, I just feel like it was fun. Like, for me, it's New York. It was literally YouTubers that came out to show love, and then it just got hectic. I feel like it was, like, fun. Like, you know, YouTubers just came out to show love, so we just started throwing stuff, vandalizing cars, like cracking people's skulls open, like blood everywhere, vandalizing people's shops. You know, it was just fun. It was just like YouTubers showing love. Like, this was a riot, Noam. This turned in, it got hectic. It didn't get hectic. It turned into a full-scale riot. Do you think that there will be any repercussions? I understand that 65 people were arrested here. 30 of them were juveniles. Um, is this good? What is the proper response? You follow the news. Typically, what would happen in an incident like this? with municipal leaders is this something they should just take seriously or is this kind of a one-off let it go well usually the nypd is on top of the social media influencers and they'll they have people of course following a lot of these big social media influencers and kai sanat is definitely one of them i don't know if you're familiar with him but He's huge. I mean, I even have heard of him, and, and you know, I'm an old guy. Uh, you know, he started out as this um, guy in the Bronx who would take his cell phone and show the rats and cockroaches that were living in his apartment and do commentary on Twitch, which is the social media platform for gamers mostly. And he just, all of a sudden, you don't know why, but he exploded into this huge superstar who just makes millions of dollars a year doing commentary. I mean, he doesn't really do any more than that. He's not one of these gamers where people watch him play games and that kind of thing. He's just doing straight commentary, sitting on a couch, talking with friends, and he's just huge. So when he decided to do this yesterday, he gave nobody any, uh, uh, you know, warning that he was going to show up in Union Square with these 350 free PlayStations and hand them out. And maybe he was naive enough, he's only 21, to think that that was okay and he wouldn't need any real protection. But then it turned into what it did yesterday, thousands of people showing up to get the free PlayStation. Maybe he just didn't realize what his appeal was. But um, will he pay for it? I, I don't know. If I guess I guess one of the see I don't I don't begrudge him for wanting to give back something at all I don't begrudge him and as you say maybe he's naive but I don't know how you could not think in the summertime if you're giving away anything and we've all seen it we've seen the power of social media we see these flash mobs that are organized on social media. Oh, we're not supposed to call them mobs, by the way. The uh, the mayor of Chicago does not like that term. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but we, he did. He went off on a reporter the other day. Oh. He went. He went. I'm not kidding you, Norm. <laughs> the mayor of Chicago went off on a reporter who asked him about the mobs that were going. These flash mobs that assemble to go in and commit these robberies, and he's that. It's not productive to use those kind of words and to call people those kind of names. The mayor of Chicago, he never really got to the underlying issue of the criminality, but rather focused on the fact that we shouldn't be calling a mob of thugs a mob of thugs. But that aside, we have seen the power of social media. We've seen these flash mobs show up, all organized on social media. I don't know how you can be an influencer and not understand uh, 
and make millions of dollars on your influence and not understand that your that your influence has responsibilities with it. Well, you know, it's a whole new world, right? I mean, I can tell you from my kids, they digest content in a way that I probably never will and never will totally understand. I'm still that guy who turns on TV to watch television at night, right? Um, my kids never do that. All of their content is consumed online, and whether it's through Instagram or Twitch or a Kick, which is a new one, that's how they're consuming it. And so these people who are the social media influencers are usually mostly young. They're young kids like this 21-year-old, and, and maybe there's not an understanding that they have that responsibility. And by the way, they're working, um, Bo, in a vacuum. I mean, there's not television executives like you would be on Nickelodeon saying he better not do that because that's not going to work out well they're on there this guy's on his own he gets a paycheck once in a while from Twitch he gets um uh 5.99 a month from subscribers he has something like 90,000 of them right and Twitch pays him and that's it there's nobody else telling him what to do he makes all the decisions basically on his own wow well i hope that this at the very least is a learning experience for him uh, but uh, there is a real cost associated with this. There were real people that were hurt. There were businesses that were hurt. The police cars were vandalized. I understand from one report I had, the chief of police car was vandalized out there. And this thing could have ended up easily with fatalities. Easily this could have gone in a worse direction even than it went. So I kind of hope that at some point, Somebody has got to stand up either and and with these social media companies and say and, and put some guidelines in place as to how their platforms can be used, or we're just going to see this kind of thing escalate and get worse. The thing about it is his popularity has most likely grown after this. Now he's turned it into a nationwide story with his name front on the front page. So it's not as if he, he's, his popularity is going to suffer. It's going to grow. But there has to be at some point some responsibility from somebody involved in this. Well, you know, Wouldn't you think you would think so. But let me tell you, it might only get worse. So you have Twitch, which is hugely popular as a gaming site, as a social media site. And uh, there's this new uh, social media site, Kick which is now trying to buy some of the biggest social media influencers away from Twitch. And one of the promises they're making to these people is we will not um, do anything to your content. We won't censor you in any way. And they're paying millions of dollars to some of these social media influencers to leave Twitch to come to kick. So and one of the biggest promises, of course, is money. But the second biggest one is we will do nothing to censor you. Like they do on Twitch. Wow. Norm Layton, thank you so much for hanging with sure. us. James Golden, a.k.a. Always love talking with Norm. He's just so knowledgeable. And my friends, WABC News, you want to keep it here. We covered this immediately. This riot broke out during the show yesterday. And within moments, Bob Brown, WABC News, was on the air with us, giving us a live update as to what was happening. And, I mean, this affected a lot more people than those that were on the ground. For instance, Bob was telling us yesterday that the train service had been disrupted in the area because of the riot. The trains had to bypass the Union Square area. So, I mean, there potentially were hundreds of hundreds, at least hundreds, perhaps thousands of people 
whose lives were disrupted to some degree or another, those people that were injured, I mean, people with their heads split open, those are not injuries that you're going to recover from in a day. It's not much like, okay, go take an Excedrin and feel better. So, I mean, these things are, it, it, it's just, it's chillingly dangerous. And speaking of which, we've got now a play center in New York City that Mayor Adams and his leadership team are turning into, guess what, a migrant center. Right now, there are 100, this whole thing just burns me every time I read it. Asylum seekers. Our U.S. asylum system is a sham. This is not real asylum. This is just a mechanism to let illegal immigrants pour into the country. But already workers are unloading items from trucks. They're retrofitting retrofitting the play center at McCarran Park in Brooklyn, which sits, this is from the Daily Mail, which sits between the ultra-expensive Greenpoint and Williamsburg neighborhoods. I remember when Greenpoint wasn't a quote-unquote ultra-expensive neighborhood. I remember when Williamsburg wasn't an ultra-expensive neighborhood, but they are. As soon as today, immigrants will be pouring into McCarran Park in Brooklyn. The mayor is assuring us that public access to the pool, the fitness center, there will not be impacted. So, okay, we're going to open up the doors to a lot of illegal immigrants. But don't worry about it. Just bring your kid. Go to the pool anyway. Nothing to see here. We're just going to move in bunches of bunches of immigrants. But don't worry. Nothing is going to be impacted. Believe that if you want to. This is just like a never-ending bad dream. And it's going to keep getting worse. I don't know whether you know or care. Derek alluded to this when he was on with us. There's a new Obama biography. How many years has it been since Obama ran for the presidency? This I find really interesting only from one level. I could care less about reading it. I'm not going to read it. But here's what really works with me on this in terms of my interest. You have a man that rises, as Derek mentioned, from from what we would call really hard beginnings. Both of his parents abandon him, leave him in the care of his grandma, as Obama told us, his white grandma who didn't understand black people. That's what you know. What he and he remember when he threw his grandmother under the bus. <clears throat> pretty much called his grandmother a racist. Anyway, his narrative about who he was was the story. This is what most people believed about Obama from his autobiography, Dreams of My Father. It is only now 
after Obama has been out of the White House now for almost 12 years that we're getting somebody that's actually doing a deep dive on who Obama really is and are these stories that he told the American public really true. This is just another indication to me of how corrupt and dishonest the American mainstream media is. His girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend, the one that he was with before he married Michelle, has a very different story, apparently, than Obama does about the reasons that they broke up. And her story has to do with Obama refusing to denounce anti-Semitism. And there were so many other things. There were other things, including a paragraph that was redacted about same-sex behavior. I'm not going to get any details in that. There are so many questions that apparently are being raised here about the narrative that America has accepted about Obama, including the idea that, no, he would never go on the Supreme Court because he's too lazy. He doesn't want to work. I, I mean, that's okay. But once again, how could you have a man that was elected to the presidency of the United States twice, not once, but twice. The historical first. Remember, that's all we heard about during this first term. Everything Obama did was historic because he was the first black president, blah, 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 history, blah, 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 historical this, blah, 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 history this, blah, blah, blah. And yet his own history, his own history has never been examined in a deep dive up until this point with biographer David Garrow giving a contrasting view of who Obama said he was. A stunning to me, a stunning indictment of the laziness of American journalists. If Obama says this, just accept it. Don't look any further. Don't look at his school records. You know, we still can't find records about Joe Biden either. Democrats have this amazing thing. If you look at the way that they handle Trump, this relentless, 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 we've got to see his tax records. We've got to see his tax records and leaks. We've got to see. We know he's hiding something. And they never stopped the drumbeat until the Ways and Means Committee got the tax records. Even though he's a private citizen, that they are, the IRS does not have a legal responsibility to hand out the tax information on any American, unless they're extenuating circumstances, which are defined by the law. But all this stuff with Trump, oh, we've got to see his records. We've got to dig that. They've dug more into Donald Trump than any one human being 
that has ever run for president. And yet here we are, 12 years after Obama, and we're just now learning things that should have been discovered during his first presidential run that have been completely ignored. What an indictment against the corrupt legacy media in this country. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, your telephone calls we are coming to them. Thank you for your patience. 800-848-WABC. Oh, you know what happened today? Revolver was released. The Beatles, Revolver. W-A. Beatles C. Saturday morning. And we're coming back. Don't go away. Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77. Edward Mag. Let's get to the telephones here on WABC. Let's head out to Staten Island. Joe has been waiting. Joe, thank you for your patience. How are you this morning? Very good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Very good, Bo. I want to say first that you got the best set of pipes on the radio. That's uh, oh, thank you. <clears throat> excellent. <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know what you were talking about, boy, in the prior segment is. A hundred percent correct. The Democrats fight like junkyard dogs. It's a street fight. And the only way yep. you can win a street fight like that is to fight like a junkyard dog. And the Republicans want to be above the fray. They don't want to get down and dirty. They're never going to win. When we were fighting the British Redcoats in the, you know, in the independence war, we were the terrorists. But we were fighting in the woods, and they're marching, standing shoulder to shoulder, you can't win a fight if you're not fighting by the same rules. We can't be in a boxing ring following boxing rules where they're, they're in a street fight. There's just no way to do it. The Republicans just don't have the stones to do what they need to do to win. And this goes way back before Donald Trump. It happened with Clarence Thomas. It happened with Brett Kavanaugh. It happened with Neil Gorsuch. They don't play by the rules because as far as they are concerned, the only thing they care about is winning. And until we learn to wake up and fight fire with fire, we're never going to win. I love your call, Joe, and thank you for that, also for, that, for that reference to the Revolutionary War. And I want to just expound on that for a moment. <laughs> you said we were the terrorists. That is exactly how many, many of the forces in our American Revolution were considered, because we had the, the American forces, some of our brigades, they would do what we call today guerrilla warfare. They didn't leave themselves out in the open. They ambushed British troops. They did everything that they had to do. They were fighting 
what many people deemed was an impossible war. The British at that point were the most, the British and the French, and we can't leave out Spain either, but the British and the French and Spain were considered to be the world's superpowers. They had armies. They had navies. The fact that the British could fight here in America, offload their navy as they did, and blockade American points, and then put troops on the ground. In in the 1760s, 1770s, they were a force to be reckoned with. And by the way, what we tend to forget about the American Revolution as well is that this was being played out in more theaters than America. It was really a world war. We don't call it that. But there was conflict between Britain, Spain, France. It was being played out in the Caribbean here, of course, for the natural resources that came from those. And that was when um, the colonialist expansion was underway. All of these three nations were colonizing as much as they could of the world and natural resources. But what did Americans do? They didn't just stand up and say, oh, let's stand up with inferior forces and just take our hits and stand in the line and, and let's be gentle about this. No. They did what they had to do. They ambushed the British. And and people with their sensibilities of that age were mortified. But here we are today as a result, America. Democrats do this all the time. They do fight. First of all, they do a multi-front fight. You can't look at a newspaper or whatever it is you read these days and go through it and not see how many different fronts the Democrats are fighting on. Right now, they're still attacking. Now they've moved from attacking Judge Thomas every day. The attacks these this week and last week have been against Judge Alito. And the Democrats have an organized attempt to try to weaken members of the Supreme Court that are conservative. They're going after Clarence Thomas. They've never stopped with him. And now they're still trying to go after Alito. If you look at what they're doing with the fossil fuel industry, got a story in here, we'll get to it. Democrats are trying to file suit, force a lawsuit against fossil fuel companies as part of their green energy craze. They've already disrupted America's legal system because they are the party of criminality, which is why you have criminals roaming the streets. Oh, there was the funniest video. I don't know whether you've seen it. Curtis sent me this, and I had seen it already, but I, 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 it's hysterical. And I'm sure by now it's got millions of views. Have you seen the video of this guy that walks into a 7-Eleven with a trash can on wheels and just starts scooping stuff off the shelves, putting it in the trash can while he's in there with two Sikhs, remember, Indians. One of the Sikhs walks past him toward the back. You see the guy going and comes back out with a large stick. The other guy grabs this guy, puts him on the ground, and they open up a can of whoop-ass on him. The guy with the large stick, this is literal. It starts flailing that stick on his back. The guy's trying to avoid it. He turns over, and then the guy literally beats his behind. 
with this stick over and over and over and over again. And I think many people in this country look at that and they cheer because they're saying, yes, we are tired of seeing these criminals, these brazen thugs walk into stores, gangs of them sometimes, or just one, and walk right out with no consequence. But this is what Democrats have brought to America with their so-called reform policies. And and always keep in mind, what is the professed reason they do it? They say for racial equality, for equity. They're tired of quote-unquote mass incarceration, a term that I have never understood. But this all goes back to the willingness to fight. They fight for what they believe in, no matter how ridiculous it is. Let's mutilate kids. Okay, let's rally around that. And we're actually in a social battle with these people because they believe they have the right to mutilate children for life. We are in a battle with these people because they believe that they have the right to send men into little girls' bathrooms and that that's okay. We are in a fight with these people because they believe they have the right to tamper or to make election security a non-issue to bypass any idea that elections in this country should be secure. They are not for secure elections. We are fighting them with that. They fight us over the language. I found that story. I'll do it when we get back. The mayor of Chicago berating a reporter for calling, he used the term a mob action to describe what happens when a mob of these criminals, these thugs, these hoodlums go into a store and rob it. Joe from Staten Island is right. They fight like junk, and they fight. They are scrappy. They will use any and every technique in the book, right or wrong, to get their objectives. And we sit on the sidelines. We watch them try to overturn an election with Donald Trump. They didn't succeed. And now they want to throw him in jail to make sure he cannot run again. This is serious stuff. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-WABC. Coming back in a moment.
This is 77 WABC Newsroom Extra. The skip the stuff law kicked in this week. That means utensils, condiment packets like ketchup, even napkins won't automatically be included in your delivery order here in the city unless you ask for them. New York is, uh, we love to order out and take out, uh, but we're getting overburdened with the amount of utensils, plastic utensils that come with it. Mayor Adams and the city council believe the new rules will cut down on the amount of plastic waste that ends up in dumps. When you think about the uh, millions of takeout orders we have, how many times we've gone to the restaurant and we constantly uh, take out items and we uh, find these items ending up in our landfill. So what do New Yorkers who love their takeout think about the new no plastic, no condiments rule? If you're in a rush, it's annoying, right? Because you like have to stop and check and see, uh, do I have everything? Most of the time you don't need it, so especially yeah. when you do it at home, when you do delivery. Yeah. Noam Layden, WABC News. Hoaxes and other fake news stories. Tomorrow morning at 10. We should get people to ask questions. It's uncovering the truth with Rudy Giuliani and Dr. Maria Ryan. Using common sense thinking with New York Street Smarts. The mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani. Tomorrow morning at 10. It's uncovering the truth. I call it interactive radio. Talk Radio 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. Listen to us. Give us a try. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Brian Kilmeade. Entertaining and informative. How do you else do you figure that Mar-a-Lago had a second wave of indictments? Anything to do with the Hunter Biden scandal that's unfolded? The deal, the plea bargain that fell apart? Of course it does. The coincidences are too great and they don't seem to care, which I find that really disturbing. Brian Kilmeade. Weekdays 10 to noon. After setting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Ah, yes, baby. Oh, oh, man. Oh, oh my gosh, everybody's up. Time for the morning dance here on WABC. This is Spirit Gyra Morning Dance. This is where we get up halfway during the show, work it out, groove a little bit. Yeah, everybody's moving this morning. If you're at home, we invite you to do this too. Move your body. Happy music. This is one of my favorite songs of all time, Spirit Jarrah. That is good. And I needed that. And we invite you to continue at home, move your body. We're headed back to the phones, but before we do, I found this story. It is right here. Chicago mayor objects to reporter using the term mob to describe dozens of looters. Quote, unquote, that's not appropriate. During a press conference, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson warned a local reporter, this happened this Wednesday, that using the term mob action to describe looters 
was not appropriate. The mayor gave a public press conference following the arrest of 40 people. Let me repeat that. The mayor gave a press conference following the arrest of 40 people between the ages of 12 and 20 for reckless conduct misdemeanors in Chicago South Loop Saturday night. It was estimated that approximately three to 400 people gathered to take part in disorderly behavior and attempted to loot a convenience store. Do we understand, ladies and gentlemen, what happened here? They arrested 12 to 20 people. They got together on Saturday night. But the 12 to 20 people that were arrested were just part of a larger group. 300 to 400 people got together so that they could go loot a store. 300 people. I know it's Saturday night. What do you want to do? Do you want to go party? Do you want to shake some booty? What is it that we should do tonight? I know. Let's go looting. Let's go looting and go loot a store. They arrest only 12. 12-year-olds are out in the looter crowd. 12-year-old looters. 12 years old. Hi, little Johnny. What are you done? What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a looter. I want to loot. I want to go steal stuff. And and, and I'm going out tonight to practice. (laughs) You want to be a looter, you say? Well, yeah. I mean, we can always get stuff for free. We never have to go to jail. I've seen this on TV. I saw saw it on my iPad. I saw, which, by the way, I looted. I saw it on my iPad. I, you can just go take what you want. And, and it's free stuff. I want free stuff. I want to be a professional looter when I grow up. Wow. Okay. So then a reporter has the temerity, the nerve, to ask, ask the mayor about, he described this massive group of 300 to 400 people looting. He says to the mayor, this mob, this was a mob action, that, and the mayor stopped him cold. No, that's not appropriate. We're not talking about a mob action. I didn't say that. So the reporter tries to keep pressing him. And the, and, and the mayor says, respectfully, these, these large gatherings, hang on a second. I, I promise you, we have time to talk. And then he says, it's, listen to this. Listen to this. 
close. It's important that we speak of these dynamics in an appropriate way. This is not to obfuscate what is actually taking place. We have to be very careful when we use language to describe certain behavior. There's history in this city. I mean to refer to children as like baby Al Capones is not appropriate. He says, I in no way do I condone the destructive activity we saw in the loop and lakefront this weekend. It is unacceptable and has no place in our city. However, however, it is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own community. And I listened to this, and I'm glad I'm not a reporter, because I would have just asked the mayor, what in the... I, I, I would go there with him. I would just ask him, are you out of your mind? We're supposed to not demonize a bunch of freaking hood rat looters because the hood rat looters... It's not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunity. Starved of opportunities? They're starved of the opportunity to go out and loot? What starved of opportunities? You have every government program in the world. You want food? Here. Here's your government handout for food. You want somewhere to stay? Here, we got a government handout for that. Call a housing subsidy, Section 8. Oh, you, you, you want to go to college? Here, we got a handout for that. Oh, don't worry, run up the tabs for a few hundred thousand dollars. Joe Biden will pay it off. Oh, health care? Oh, you, you got something wrong with you? No, no, don't worry. We got a plan for that. We got some money for you there, too. It doesn't matter whether you're here legally. No, it doesn't. You could be here legally or illegally. doesn't matter. We got money for you. We're throwing money at you. And this guy has the audacity to sit and talk about people starved of opportunity. They never have to work a day in their life if they live in a Democrat paradise. We've got government handouts for you from the time that you're born until the time that you die. In fact, if you want to kill your kid in the womb. And that bother with all that, the Democrats will come up with a way for you to do that too. And this guy sits here and talks about starved of opportunities. But no, we can't demonize them because they might go, 300 might go into a convenience store and loot it out. And who does the mayor find objectionable? A reporter that dares ask about a mob that has gotten together to loot people that work hard for their stuff. He doesn't give a damn about the store owners, what they lose. Doesn't give a damn about anything. Let's not demonize the youth. Let's not demonize the thugs. This is what the mayor, this is what the people of Chicago elected. They call it, they're calling it the team takeover there. The team takeover. Kids as young as 12 years old 
up to 20, forming in groups of 300, 400 people to go in and loot a store. And the mayor has the capacity to chastise a reporter who calls this mob of thugs a mob. Freaking unbelievable. James Golden Snurley, 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. I got to chill. Got myself all worked up here. This stuff is infuriating. Coming back in a minute. Feel is their appointed duty. They keep trying to tell me here. All you want to do is use me. Hey, cousin Brucey, someone's at the door. Who could it be? Yeah, yeah, who is it? Find out who it is. Well, what you think? You're going to love every little ounce of it. It's going to sound so good. Music Radio 77 WABC presents. Hi, I'm Vinny Madunio from the Vinny Madunio Show. Tonight at 5 p.m. Join me as I get you prepped for a great evening of music on WABC. We're proud that U.S. News and World Report has ranked Joseph M. Sanzari Children's Hospital and Kehobnanian Children's Hospital of Hackensack Meridian Children's Health as the number one children's hospitals in New Jersey for the third straight year. With national recognition in pediatric cancer, nephrology, neurology and neurosurgery, and urology, our incredible doctors and surgeons are ready with expert care. For the best in pediatric care, visit hackensackmeridianhealth.org slash kids. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Guys Behind the Glass with Justin Ellick and Eric Salas. He's got to be gone. I don't care. Fans are going to be outraged if Brian Cashman is the general manager of the Yankees next season. Outraged. Yeah. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for, you know, I don't winning all these points years ago, but it just, it's over, man. I don't it's like a totally different league than it was 15 years ago. Yeah, and, but honestly, for any other GM that slides in and say they do get rid of Cashman, I don't know how they're going to pop in there just and make something out blood. of it. He's been the general manager for... For a quarter of a century. Yeah. Can we get somebody new in here? I don't know, man. That's somebody who's like boys with like boys with the owners, like family, like probably knew the family prior to even getting that freaking job. Sell the team. No, it's not happening. Fans are bitter with ownership. They're starting to resent ownership. And I don't want to bring up the Wilpons and how that situation was, but the last thing you want is for Yankees fans to start resenting Hal Steinbrenner. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Let me tell you how it will be. From the Revolver album, right, Nick? You know, I, I really appreciate you, Nick. You're so young, but you know all this great music. It's just like, you know, this is... Actually hopeful. What can I say? My parents raised me right. You're exactly right. Ladies and gentlemen, he's single, by the way. He looks like a young Tom Selleck. So you're looking for somebody for your daughter? Never mind. I'm not going to do that. Hey, Nick, I just sent you a link. Derek sent us a link. He says that he's got... 
he told me my little whiny voice doesn't really do it justice. That he has audio from the mayor actually berating this reporter. So I just sent you, I think I just sent you the link for it, if we can do it. Anyway, let me just say this about that. And I'm sorry if I, 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 I lost my mind. Okay, but look, this is what galls me. This is what we are teaching young black men and black women in America. You can go out, you can take part in a, mo- a, a, a mob of looters, and the mayor of the city will not condone you. He will actually condone, he will actually chastise a reporter that calls you out for being a mob of looters. No, you, you are the victim here. You, you're, a, you're a thief, you're a criminal, and you're a teenage criminal. In some case, you're a prepubescent criminal. Which means, unless you're stopped, you have a lifetime of criminality ahead of you. But instead of trying to correct this moral defect in a culture, this mayor stands up and demonizes a reporter for using the word mob when they are a mob. And this is the kind of idiocy that passes for enlightened thinking in Democrat communities all over this country where this is acceptable behavior. Just like New York, you get another mob of mostly black kids and they go on a riot trend, on a riot tear, and we give the guy a desk ticket. Oh, it's okay. They're only out destroying businesses. They're only out hurting each other, cracking each other's skulls, vandalizing police cars, vandalizing and terrorizing people that work hard to maintain their businesses. Oh, let's give them a pass. You have it? Let's hear it. Go ahead, Nick. Just just lay it out there for us. That's not appropriate. We're not talking about mob actions. I didn't say that. What, what I, okay, what I'm... Hold on a second, okay? Respectfully, these large gatherings, these large gatherings, just hold on a second, y'all. I promise you, we have time to talk. It's important that we speak of these dynamics in an appropriate way. This is not to obfuscate what is actually taking place. This was the scene near Roosevelt and Canal Sunday night. That's cool. That's it. That's it. Do you believe this? Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, it's it's not a, it's not appropriate to talk about these large gatherings this way. I mean, after all, these poor children that are out here looting and terrorizing are the victims here. They're the ones that have been starved of opportunity. They're the victims. They're the victims of America. They're the oppressed people. That's why they're out here looting. That's why they're out here forming. I mean, never mind that they have, I guess, some kind of devices be they telephones, iPads, whatever smart devices that they can get together, go on social media, figure out where to, where to, where to meet up for the loot down. They're not that oppressed that they so poor. They got that, and they probably show up in their designer sneakers. But they're oppressed, you see, and, and they just want to loot. Why can't you people just let them loot? Why, why do you, why, why, look, these children are oppressed. They are oppressed children. Why do you demonize these young looters? 
They are just doing what comes naturally to them. They are looting. And you should just let them loot. And don't call them names. I don't even like you calling them looters, James. There are large gatherings of people, and they are just out trying to have their slice of the American pie. Why would you call them looters? They're only stealing things. They're only taking things that they deserve because the system has failed them, you see. The system has failed them and has failed me. The system of America has failed, and we must let our, let my people loot. Let my people loot. In the world are we? Let's go to uh, the telephones. Adam, my man in Mineola, how are you? Good morning, sir. Y'all didn't take my call the whole week, so I had to get up Saturday just to get it in. But anyway. I tried I to take your you. call. I Hold it. Stop it. You know how many times you get through, and I try to take your call every time there, but we have other callers, too. we got to be fair. And I really wanted to take your call yesterday. But I just couldn't. We ran out of time because of those that large gathering that was in Union Square doing things that large gatherers do. Right. I agree with David as far as Trump should just try to get them trials over with. Now, the, the, the judge in Washington, D.C., she's not going to let them put that on up all the way to after the, after the election. So let's get ready. You know, let's get ready for this trial coming up. What do you think about that? I'm fine with it. But if he needs more time to prepare, let look, they spent two years digging on him. If he wants more time, then he deserves more time. It's called justice. Right. Um, well. That's it? All of, no. How's your friend Hunter doing? You're still supporting him, right? Well, Hunter, uh. If Hunter did something wrong, let him go down with the ship. I'm not I'm not holding protecting Hunter. If he did a crime, prosecute to the fullest. Oh, well he you did know? a crime. He 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 didn't register as a foreign agent. We know that. That's a crime. So okay. you want him under the bus, do you? Whatever he gotta get, let him get it. I just wanna know I'm... why all Repub- all Republicans are testifying against Trump. None of them are BLM. None of them are Antifa, but they're all Republicans that he chose that are testifying against him. Isn't that weird? Well, I wouldn't expect Antifa or BLM to be in his administration. And I don't know who you're referring to that's testifying against Donald Trump. So I would have to know a little bit more information about who you have in mind. Al, my friend, it is always wonderful to hear from you. And I look forward to many more conversations with you, God willing, my friend. Rocco in Saratoga, thank you for waiting. How yeah, are you this Jay, morning? Yeah, Jake, I, you rile me up. My workouts go well because I'm punching that speed bag and I'm banging that body bag like no tomorrow listening to you. Thank you for the workout, okay? Rocky is in the background, the soundtrack. I'm humming it, buddy. I'm humming it. Let me speak to Adam there since he's chimed up. Hey, Adam, stop whining. You know how many times they don't take my calls? I hung up on Curtis this morning because I was on for an hour, and he didn't pick me up. 
The day before I was on two hours, he didn't pick me up. So don't whine. Ask Avery. Ask ask uh, Nick. Ask all of them how often they don't pick up my call. So stop whining, you baby. And Black Lives Matter and Antifa, they're criminal enterprises. They're the modern-day Black Panther Party. Don't give me that crap. I'll take those dudes down. I'm from the South Bronx, dude. Don't give me I'll, mono and mono. Talk to me in my face. I grew up in Jackson Houses, dude. I was the only white dude in the whole South Bronx in that building. Most of my brothers were my friends. Don't give me that crap about minority crap. You want to know my story, James? If I, you let me go on, I'll go on. I'll tell you my story. I grew up in the South Bronx. We, lived, we were damn poor, six brothers and sisters. Yeah, we got welfare. Yeah, I ate government cheese. Yeah, James, we got all that. I went to college for free. I paid zero. They even paid for my books to Lehman College because I was so damn poor. But you know what I did with that? I went out, my first job into banking. I got into a bank management training program. I, I went into foreign exchange on Wall Street. I worked at 40 Wall Street, which is now the Trump building, and then 44 Wall. I became good at my job. I became one of the best. I went on, started my own company, started a hedge fund, okay? I moved out of the South Bronx, living in the housing project for 15 years. Not a week, not a month. 15 years, and my mom stayed down there. She refused to move. Said, oh, all my friends are here. I said, Ma, you can't stay here anymore. You got to leave, you know? But no, Mom said, nope, I'm staying here. All my friends are going right to news. Right across the street. Uh, James, I know I'm long-winded. I'm sorry. No apologies necessary. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I got more, but I, I hear the music, so I'm going to let it It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Our number trio is here. In this hour, we will speak with America's small caffeinated mom out from the heartland of America, where they don't have crowds of, they don't have large gatherings of looters. I keep thinking about that song, Try It in a Small Town. You know, th- this song raised a lot of angst on people because they're all, oh, it's racist, is that? Oh, no, no, no. The guys just say, try this nonsense in a small town. Where you have 300 people to 400 people gathering to loot. And then the mayor come play that again, Nick. Play it again. That sound bite of the mayor out there discussing his angst with the reporter who dared say this is a mob action when 300 to 400 people, mostly aged 12 to 20, apparently, showed up to loot a convenience store, and the reporter dared say uh, this mob action. That's not appropriate. We're not talking about mob actions. I didn't say that. Okay, what I'm... Hold on a second, okay? Respectfully. These large gatherings, these large gatherings, just hold on a second, y'all. I promise you, we have time to talk. It's important that we speak of these dynamics in an appropriate way. This is not to obfuscate what is actually taking place. (laughs) This was the scene. Where do they find these people? 
and they actually win elections. It's important that we speak of these dynamics properly. We're not allowed to call looters looters. We must speak of the dynamics of this in a way that is appropriate. We're not allowed to call looting looting. We don't like that. We don't like the way that you call looters looters and mobs. I mean, this, this, this almost sounds like it could be satire from some comedy show. But it's actually the mayor. They actually elected this guy. Anyway, I'm going to take phone calls early because we want to get as many calls in this hour as we can. There is an AP story today. And just listen to this. You talk about these people live. When I say these people, I mean these leftists. They live in a completely different universe than sane people. Listen to the way this starts off. In the two and a half years since the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol, Congress passed a bipartisan law closing loopholes in the complex process of choosing a new president that Donald Trump tried to exploit in his push to stay in office. Well, wait a minute. If there are loopholes and they needed to be fixed, then how was President Trump wrong for trying to use the law that had loopholes in it? Loopholes means that there was something that was unclear in the law, and he had an interpretation about it. The AP goes on to say, but while those avenues for electoral mischief may be blocked or severely constrained in 2024, the prosecution, along with another federal indictment accusing Trump of mishandling classified information after leaving office, is providing additional urgency among conservatives for a plan to make over the U.S. Department of Justice. That is a step democracy advocates warn could mark a new assault on the U.S. system should Trump win the presidency a second time. You get this? You conservatives, by demanding that the DOJ actually stop this two-tiered justice system, this corruption that is infested and rotted out, the DOJ. AP says you are the threat because you want this stopped. You are the problem. Democracy advocates, whoever they are, warn that we conservatives could be plotting a new assault on the United States system if that evil Donald Trump is allowed to win the presidency a second time. This is just so much. The way we look at it is this. 
for you people at the Associated Press, if you actually did some honest reporting, you might actually look at the way elections have been conducted. You might actually look at ballot harvesting. I did a story in this week's podcast about a guy that was uh, brought up on 80 Democrat, 82 charges of voting fraud. You know what it involved is ballot harvesting. Now, even Democrats like Jimmy Carter warned that ballot harvesting was ripe for fraud. But these people, like at the AP, that are supposedly the world's best journalists, will never look at the elections and never look at them and say, you know what? The process has changed. Now we have these weeks and weeks of voting. We have this ballot harvesting, which is questionable. We have software in voting machines that no one except even they, as reporters, don't understand how the software works. I guarantee you. And they won't report that. None of us do. I don't understand how. Do you understand how the software works in it? Unless you're a coder, how can you? Unless you actually code the software and know how to interpret code, how can you? But they won't look at any of that and say, okay, Americans, some Americans think that the elections may be compromised. Let's give that an honest hearing and flesh that out. They will not do that. They will not have a conversation about that. They will not engage their investigative reporting into any of it. But if you complain about it now, you are a threat to the system. They will not look at the way that Hillary Clinton and others mishandled classified information but were never brought up on charges. Joe Biden. What happened to the case of Joe Biden's classified documents? He wasn't even president that was sitting in his garage and sitting all over Washington, D.C. and elsewhere. The AP doesn't mention that. No, no, no. It's Trump who mishandled documents even though he was president And under the Presidential Records Act, he could determine, as Obama did, by the way. But you get nothing of that from the AP. You don't get anything about how the Justice Department has ignored and sat on, with the help of social media, the Hunter Biden story. And at the same time, they push this false narrative with Trump and Russia collusion including lying to the FISA courts. You won't get an honest reading on that. Instead, we're told that we're the enemy because if we get back into office, we want to correct these things. And so we are the ones that are threatening democracy. No, you lazy-ass journalists are one of the biggest threats to this republic that ever existed. You lazy-ass journalists who don't care about the truth, who are just partisan Democrat shills. You don't report accurately on anything. You won't tell the truth about COVID. You won't tell the truth about the vaccines. You won't tell the truth. And I'm vaxxed, by the way, before you go off on this. He's an anti-vaxxer. You won't tell the truth about the censorship of media that the White House has been in collusion with big tech over, which as journalists, you would have in another age offended you because it chills free speech. No, you lazy-ass journalists won't talk about anything that would harm your precious Democrat, socialist, communist, progressive ideology. But you call us the threat? You are the biggest, one of the biggest threats to this republic. You lazy-ass journalists 
who don't care about the truth and who sit in your little ivory towers over at the Associated Press and Reuters and the New York Times and the Washington Post and ABC, NBC, CBS, and L.A. Times and dare not take a deep look as to what is afflicting this republic. Thank goodness the American people don't rely on you for all of their news. Are these stories? I have a story here I think I'm going to hold till next week. I have two stories actually. Because I don't have the give, I don't have the time to give them the fairness that they deserve. One is written by a young black girl who says she went hungry in college because nobody told her about the SNAP program. And I'm not trying to, you know, belittle her or anything. I, I, I there are a lot of, I just, I'll tell you what, because actually I think she, she is number one. I, I, I no one told her about SNAP. There's a lot that I'm, yeah, yeah but not today. I want to put that aside if you're with us maybe next week. Maybe I'll just really think it through. The other is about, and it is a long story, about the Endangered Species Act, which liberals are saying now some of them might be in danger itself. It hasn't been updated in a while. And with the Endangered Species Act, I, you know, there are some things that, that I know as a conservative you're supposed to, if you're doing the, you know, the the knee-jerk conservative thing, you just go, oh, no, 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 no. The Endangered Species Act, it stops too much growth. It does this, it does that. I happen to think that while some of that is true, that the Endangered Species Act has been applied unfairly, in many instances, I also think at the same time that the Endangered Species Act has also done a lot of good. And so I'm going to do a deeper dive on that one, and maybe next week, if I have time to really do a deep dive on it, we can bring that up and talk about it. Over across the pond... Leah Thomas has been banned from competing against women. Their British sports governing bodies are under mounting pressure to reform their policies. After World Swimming banned transgender athletes who reached male puberty from elite women's events. In a a seismic move for Olympic sport, which will mean that American swimmer Leah Thomas can no longer compete in elite races. Swimming rulemakers announced that transgender women must now establish that they have not experienced any part of male puberty. So there is progress being made on that front. Now, they're not saying you don't compete at all. They're going to make another category, which is what many of us have been saying all along. Just make a category for transgenders. We don't want to deny them the ability to compete. Just make another category. That young lady that has been out talking about her experience 
there's an article on the Fox News site, I believe, today, where she's talking about she had to avert her eyes from looking at Leah Thomas because he was, well, so well endowed. And so when she was in the locker room with him, she she couldn't look over it. He, He was, apparently he has a hefty package. She, she, he, she, I think it, supposed to say she. Shim has a health, Shim has a healthy package. And again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Just want to get this right. Today, everything's changed. I mean, I'm not the kind of guy to go looking at other guys' packages. I don't see why young women should be forced to either. But, hey, that's just me. There was this story, and it is a long story. Our good friend Todd Bensman has it on the Center for Immigration Studies website. That's CIS.org. Border sex trafficking cases should challenge sound of freedom skeptics. Starts off this way. The American left so hates this summer's hit, Sound of Freedom movie, that their media have undertaken a campaign to discredit it. These generally assert that the film is about a former ICE Homeland Security Investigations agent's true-life crusade against cross-border child sex trafficking is largely untrue, exaggerates the problem, or Fig Leaf's QAnon conspiracy theories. Rolling Stone magazine's treatment of the film, for instance, described it as a QAnon-tinged thriller about sex trafficking designed to appeal to conspiracy-addled boomers. And then they go through, talk about how the Garden slammed it, the Guardian, and others. But Ted Ted writes this way, Ted Bensman, Todd Bensman, since the film's release, federal prosecutors under Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland have written horrifying sex trafficking tales into their prosecution of very recent court cases which have received little to no media coverage or skepticism challenging their credibility. The details of those prosecutions are plenty horrifying enough to qualify for any Hollywood movie around Hollywood, uh, Halloween time. And they go on to report these cases. The FBI just concluded in July Operation Cross Country with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which rescued 200 sex trafficking victims, 59 of who were minors, in just two weeks. They talk about, he talks about the case of the Martinez Fuentes case. Cuban men who forced women they smuggled into prostitution in Houston strip clubs. Another known case in Texas where a cartel of coyotes had smuggled young girls and women over the Mexican border for the last 20 years through violence and threats and put them into lives of prostitution. So it it looks like the sound of freedom had all this right, despite what the left critics say about it. 
There's not some kind of weird QAnon theory. This stuff is going on in America. But once again, where are your journalists? Where's your mainstream legacy press? No, no, no. There's just a bunch of right-wingers complaining about this stuff. It's real. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77, coming back right after this. Isley Brothers. Summer Breeze. Ernie Isley on guitar. Ronnie Isley, lead vocals. Chris Jasper. We haven't talked to Chris in a long time. We need to talk to Chris Jasper, have him back on. From the Isley Brothers. One of the most prolific songwriters of our age. Let's hear from Ernie Isley. Summer is here. Summer 2023. James Golden with you here on Saturday morning, WABC. Thank you for being part of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. WABC. You know who this is. The one, the only, the legend. Santana on WABC. This was their first breakout hit. Oye, como va? The sound. You know what? Carlos Santana, he defies age. The older he gets, the better he plays. I mean, he is what he is just so amazing, isn't he? I just got the coolest picture via text. My friend, who I met on this program, the conductor, the teacher, the music genius, Patrick Burns. He and his lovely wife just sent me a picture. They are across the pond. He just sent me a picture. I just opened it now. They are standing in front of Ike's London headquarters. The headquarters of then the General of the Army, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Commander-in-Chief of the Allied Forces, the Supreme Commander of the Allied Expeditionary Forces in London in World War II. They are standing outside of Ike's headquarters in London. What a cool picture to have. And, I mean, what music, by the way. Patrick Burns, you can you can find him. Just YouTube him on YouTube. 
He has amazing music out there. My dear friend and conductor, Patrick Burns, over in London at Ike's headquarters. Wow, that's really cool. Okay, telephones. Let's get back to them, shall we? Let's talk to Andrew in New Jersey. How are you, Andrew? Uh, hello, Bo. Oh, I'm surprised I got on this fast. Um, yeah, I wanted to uh, ask you, well, you know, you're you're well aware of this problem. Where are the parents of these roaming crazy kids that wreak havoc? Where's the parents of the 12-year-old? How come they don't get punished? What? I guess there's no father. I don't know. And then I was going to go uh, on. And, 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 Andrew, Andrew, that, that that's simply not appropriate to call them crazy kids, you know. These children have been deprived of opportunities, Andrew. They're victims, Andrew. You have failed them, Andrew. You and your system of government have failed these children. And I really don't think it's appropriate for you to say that these large gatherings of children who just want things, and they just need things like everybody else, I don't think it's fair to you ask where their parents are. I mean, after all, what does it matter where their parents are? They still need things, and they still need to take the things that they need. And what we don't need, what we don't need, Adam, is people like you demonizing the youth of our country who have been starved of the things that they need because of the system that you and your ancestors set up. It's so unfair to these children. They want things, too. They want their PlayStation. They want their televisions. They want their widescreen, high def. They want their laptops. They want their iPads. And they want their Doritos. They want their Cheetos. They want their potato chips, just like you have your potato chips. They want their Mountain Dew, just like you can go in the store and have Mountain Dew. Why shouldn't they have Mountain Dew? So here you are, sitting in all this wealth that you have, and you are demonizing these children, these poor, poor children that you have failed, the reason that they don't have their Mountain Dew and Doritos is because of you. And you are not showing them any love. You're not showing them any sensitive. You call here and you ask, where are their parents? And you assume that maybe some of them don't even have fathers. Well, I don't know about you, but what difference do fathers make? Right now, you don't need fathers. We can have women raising all the kids. Don't you know that? That's kind of sexist of you, too. Where are their fathers? Who needs fathers? Who needs anybody? So I want you to apologize, Andrew. Apologize to these poor children that you have demonized here this morning who get together in large gatherings and take things only because they need them. Okay? Would you apologize to the children? Would you please say you're sorry to the children? Never. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't have any children, and I'm glad. Because it's not fit in this day and age to have children, from what I've seen. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love you, Andrew. Thank This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Uh, 
a little down under music. Nick is playing this in honor of our man Diego, who spent two weeks down under. And he just came back. He was with us yesterday down in Australia, New Zealand, Singapore. Let's go to Paulie in Westwood. Paulie, you've been waiting a while. We appreciate your patience. James, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, I was uh, streaming because we have a smart TV, and the sound wasn't coming in yesterday. So we were thinking, well, what's happening over there? And my wife goes, oh, the kids are probably protesting because they're taking all the youth centers away. And I said, no, no, that's not, that's not, the, tr- that's not the reason. It's because Frank Morano's not around. They can't listen to him Monday through Friday, one to five on WABC, and they can't listen to Doctor Doctor Sky. Then we found out the truth. Unbelievable what happened. But it is luckily, un- mm-hmm. Go ahead. Luckily, sixty-three kids got arrested, so it's only going to cost the city maybe six hundred thousand dollars to give each one of those kids what ten thousand dollars because they were arrested, right? Oh, interesting point. The way that it has worked, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up, Paulie. Okay, because what Paulie is referring to here, unless I have it wrong, is the fact that when we see riots happen, as just happened recently, there was a court case where some of the BLM rioters were gifted money because police dared arrest them for rioting, and that's not allowed. So they got a handout from you, the taxpayers, to pay them off for us disrupting their looting spree and their rioting spree. And that's the other component of this. Not only are we not allowed to call these large gatherings mob actions, but we're also not a, oh, you arrested the poor children. Right? These children just want opportunities, and they have been deprived of the opportunities by you. And so... Even though they rioted, and yes, they may have burned down a few stores, and yes, they may have stolen some things that they needed, like the iPads, their computers, their chips ahoy, and like, like, you know, oh no, did they leave the, did they take the Bud Light too? Oh no, even though they may have been looting, we have to give them money, because we arrested them, and they are poor children, you see. These children are disadvantaged. Because of your system. So we have to pay the looters. Oh, we're not allowed to call them looters. We have to pay the large gatherings of people who assemble to take things because they need things. And they don't have things like you. And you should be grateful because we're just making it equitable. We're just bringing, you know, equality. Everybody should have things. Everybody should have things. You have things. They should have things. And so what if they have to take their things? They have things now. You have things. So everybody should be happy. Right? Right. Thank you. (sighs) Let's go to Pennsylvania. Thank you, Paulie. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Talk with David. David, how are you? Welcome. You're on WABC. David in Staten Island, rather. David, how are you? All right. Well, you're like a religion here. Forgive me. I have but one major thing, but another one popped in my head, so it's got to be two to be mentioned, please. 
Go right ahead. The Democrats have infiltrated the Republican Party, and then when they get in, they switch their uh, function back to the Democrats. And the other one I'm saying with the money that the BLM got, they could buy more guns and pass it around in the cities throughout the country. Well, as for BLM, let me just correct you on that, because the BLM is not are not buying more guns. They're buying real estate. That's where all those a lot of the a lot of the money that was given to BLM went into real estate for their head honcho, police colors. She is now the owner, the proud owner of not one, but more than one mansion. Because, you know, black lives matter and we need to give them money because she didn't have a mansion. And everybody should have a mansion. She needed the thing. She needed her mansion. And how dare you or anybody else talk badly about her because she used that money that was meant to help the poor people that don't have anything, the oppressed, the children that are starved of opportunities. But she needed her mansion, so she used that money to get her mansion. She needs a mansion. You have a mansion. She has a mansion now. So we should be happy, right? And as for Democrats infiltrating the Republican Party, <laughs> it does seem like that, doesn't it? Let's go to Gail in Staten Island. How are you, Gail? Good morning, James. I was listening to your entire show, the point about fighting like junkyard dogs. When our mayor and our congressional representative, Dan Goldman, were confronted by innocent women with questions. The hair on their neck went up, and they had no answers, but they certainly did attack women. And before you said something about out of this world, it made me, I'm paraphrasing, thinking of the words to uh, ground control instead of Major Tom, Major Dom, take your protein pills, and may God's love be with you. You really made the grade. Uh, you want to know you're floating above planet Earth. It's very blue. There's nothing he can do. Major Don is trying to help us on this country. He is Thank trying you. to fight the right. Thank you so much, Gail. You know what? It, it is remarkable. The way the Democrats fight on all angles and the way that Republicans refuse to. We are looking at an unprecedented attack on the Republican Party. And yet many of our Republican elected officials act like this is business as usual. The base is fired up. And if we don't translate that into an overwhelming victory in November 2024, I shudder to think of what the Democrats have planned for us next. Now let's go to Pennsylvania and David. David, thank you for waiting. How are you, David, in Pennsylvania? Hello, James. What is the difference between a mare and a nightmare? Giuliani versus Adams. One was a mare. The other is a nightmare. Well... My answer would be one runs a city, the other runs a city into the ground. Yeah, that's what I said. Giuliani and and 
than Mayor Adams. You just said it differently. But you're oh, absolutely right. <laughs> I love it. Can I add David, one other thing? Sure you can. Uh, the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans is the Democrats are about, you know, kill, pillage, and plunder. The Republicans are all about meet me on the 50-yard line and we'll negotiate this thing halfway. And we'll no negotiate the surrender. Yeah, meet us on the 50-yard line so we can negotiate our surrender to you. Exactly. Exactly. David, They're not learning. You are incredibly genius. Thank you, my man. I do appreciate it. Coming up in mere moments, we will have America's Small Caffeinated Mom. We're going to take a break early because I also want to get to a few calls on the other side. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Coming back, more right after this. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77. Heading back to the phones very quickly for Frank in Staten Island. Frank, how are you? Hey, Bo, how are you? Is that Brubeck? Give me one second. You, you got, you're playing Brubeck. Take five. Nice choice, Nick. Yeah, David Brubeck on WABC. Okay, Frank, your turn. How are you, Bo? Bo, I'm 58 years old. I'm the youngest of four. My father, my parents were alive. My father would be 98 years old, okay? Uh, My father was a World War II veteran. He was in the Navy, served on five ships in the North Atlantic, Four of the five ships sunk, three from storms, not even from combat. He was on tankers. And in any case, I'm a retired police sergeant, and I always told people I was never scared of the cops because I knew they wouldn't kill me. I was scared if I got caught doing something stupid and they brought me home to my father. There was a chance my father might have killed me. and. I say it in jest, of course, but I would have caught a beating of a lifetime. But what happened, as you said, uh, in the city yesterday, you know, again, where are these kids' parents? Exactly right. And when you were telling your story, I knew where that was going. My dad, also World War II veteran, Korean War veteran, used to tell me, you had better never let me get a call that you are in jail. And he used to tell us too, and and he meant this. He said, don't you ever be surprised if you look up one day out of your classroom and you see me standing there staring in. And he said, if you get called in, if we get a call from the teacher, guess what? The assumption is the teacher is right. You have better behave yourself. So those were the kind of things that we learned as kids not how to get together and go out in a mob. I'm sorry, we're not allowed to say the word mob. It is not appropriate. In a large gathering of three to 400 looters, because we all need things and we all want things. And the kids deserve to have their Doritos and their Cheetos. You have yours. Why can't the poor oppressed kids have their Cheetos and Doritos? We all want things. Thank you much, Frank. 
Time for America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. Rhonda, how are you this morning? <laughs> good morning, James. I'm good. I'm I'm doing great. Good. It's really good to have Diego back. By the way, you miss him. We just talked about it the other day that we hadn't heard from him for a long time. So we're happy that he's back. Indeed. So what yes. is on your mind this morning, Rhonda? Well, I've been thinking a lot about um, transition. Uh, in Sesame Street lingo, the word on the street would be transition brought to you by the letter T. Uh, the boys grew up on Sesame, and I've been thinking about transition um, and the difficult seasons of life. Right now, three of our four sons find themselves in varying stages of transition. Uh, they're out in the world making their way, and the one in particular is in a difficult uh, season of his life. He's in a in a place that's very, it's hard. Should he go? Should he stay? I mean, he's thriving personally, but his circumstances are challenging. And so he's reaching out a lot to us for wisdom and insight. Uh, so I've been thinking a lot about him and, and the boys in general transition, especially in light of the fact that in a few days, my husband and I will have our 36th anniversary. Whoa. And I know. And looking back over the 36 years, we have gone through so much change and transition. In fact, we often look at each other and say, you know what? Nothing has gone like we thought it would. Um, we did college the hard way. We, My husband chose to go pursue a college degree after we were married and we had our oldest son and we moved out of state to do this. It was really difficult. I mean, we were poor as church mice. We furnished that little bitty apartment in early American poverty. You know how it is. You you just struggle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was hard. And so at the minute he graduated, we moved back here to get settled, and he hit the ground running pursuing that career. Well, his career path took twists and turns, and all at once he found himself in a position much like what our oldest son is now in. Very difficult working under a very challenging person. Should you know? Should he go? Should he stay? Just no clear direction. So he waited for months and years for for an indication of what what he should what he should do. Well, without even knowing what was happening, it was during that long, unpleasant season that there were things being developed inside of him that he didn't even know he needed. Uh, resilience, perseverance, overcoming some lifelong fear, all of that. And you know what? The day came when another door opened and he went through it, and all of a sudden he was self-employed, uh, which, of course, sparked another transition for us because then I, I needed to go find a job. So I, I started working from the home as a medical transcriptionist. I was For 16 years, I was in my house, cooking, cleaning, rocking the baby with one foot while I typed with both hands, you know, running to cross-country meets. It was challenging, but we got through it. Well, the beautiful thing is that the difficult time that my husband endured perfectly prepared him for what he's doing now. It turned out to be the greatest blessing, but even more than that, James, this just blows me away when I think about it. Now that our son, we have a child in a similar place, guess what we can do? 
we can pull back from our personal stories and our personal journey of a difficult time of transition, and we can encourage and instruct and guide him. And he was there. He saw it as a child. So it's a powerful thing when parents can pull from their own stories of overcoming and perseverance and use it to children. For my son, yeah, for my son, what I have been praying is that the Lord will give him two open doors, one through which to exit when the time is right, and a second one through which to enter when the place is right. And I know that this works because it happened for his dad. And so I just took a moment before I got on the phone with you today, and I I just said a little prayer for any of our listeners who find themselves in this tough, it's like a waiting room, and you can't, you can't get out, you can't go, you know, you can't go on, it's tough. But I just pray that they will find their own two open doors, and that hopefully they will be able then to encourage other people down the road. Like I often say, there's no actual reason for despair. It only looks like it. Rhonda, how beautiful. And I thank you for it. People can find your essay at the Daily BS today. And I just want to add something to that, Rhonda. You know what? I was an adult, and I mean an adult adult, before I really truly understood how much my parents had sacrificed for me when I was young. I didn't understand the struggles that they were going through. And when I was a real adult, I talked to my mom one day, and she just kind of opened up about where they were when when we were kids, financially and everything else. I had no clue because, to me, it was all taken care of. We never had a hungry day. We were always, I had no idea what my father had gone through. I had no idea what my mother had gone through because they never complained about it. They never, we had the best childhood. Everything Mm. was, was there. We had school, we had the church, we had activities. We had fun in the summertime. We were able to go see our grandparents and our relatives during the, the breaks and you know, we were part of a community. I literally grew up with no idea that there were times that they were so struggling and that they did not know how the future was going to work out for them, that they had these anxieties, they had concerns, because they were a different kind of parent. Those were different kind of parents. And by the way, yeah. that was a different kind of, that was a different generation. They accepted the fact that life had hardships, that there would be transitions, that there would be all of these things. They didn't complain about it. They didn't go on and on about themselves. I mean, you would get little hints, but I didn't. we didn't even understand the hints. Like my dad would tell us all the time, look, our job as parents is not to give you what you want. It's to give you what you need. That's so good. And then we were told that, oh, you know, you're not That's going so to get good. everything that you want. You're going to get what you need, but you won't get what you want. If you, what you want, you have to earn yourself. So you didn't break right? windows and steal it? Oh, p- please. 
No, wait, no, because there's an answer to that. I, I misappropriated some things when I was young. And what happened to me when I misappropriated it was an ass beating like you can't believe. (laughs) And then I had to sit down at the dining room table with the Bible and go through exactly the, the commandments and and this was stuff and and I was like Mister I love going to Sunday school, so it's not like I didn't understand, but no it was no you, you you are not no you number one there will be consequences and you will remember these consequences because it's going to hurt. I remember you know my father, you know my father. Well, you know, son, this is going to hurt you a lot. This is going to hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. Get get out of here. No, it's hurting me more than it ever will hurt you. Yes. My dad had this. Oh, I'm sorry, because some of you people, you can't do anything now. He's up in heaven. My dad had this strap. that was like a six-foot strap. He would double it up and then wrap it around his hand. So there was only a little bit left. My dad was big. Then he grabbed both of your hands, your wrist, with one of his hands, mm. and hold you up while he beat your ass. And you had wow. to say, yes, sir, and then lecture you through it. Mm. Do you understand what you did? Yes. Whack. Yes, What? Whack. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so it was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My boys have called me a trouble laugher because sometimes I just would start laughing when they were getting in trouble because I could see the funny side of it. And I finally had to admit that I was a trouble laugher. But you know what? You had incredible parents because they gave you what you should have had. And that was a carefree childhood. That's what came to my mind when you were talking about how you I had only the best found childhood later. See, you had a carefree childhood that you had structure and discipline, and you weren't asked to carry their burdens. You know That's what we had really more lovely. than anything else? I don't think any of my parents' children ever had to question if our parents loved us. Because uh, we all knew. My, our parents loved uh-huh. us. And we never had to question it. And love covers a multitude of sins. That's in that Bible that you had to study when you misappropriated things. Yes. Mm. And I was too stupid to even cover it up. So anyway, <laughs> there's that. Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us. We are here we are again, end of the show. It was a delight. Thank you, Rhonda Schrock. Yes. WABC Talk Radio 77, my friends, it is always a pleasure to be here Saturday morning. Radio Extravaganza, thank you for joining us. God willing, we will be here on Monday for both Snurley's Rush Hour at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Tell your friends about us. Again, I have so much love and gratitude for you joining us and your contributions here. Thank you. We so appreciate you. And we'll look forward to seeing you on Monday. Thanks to my crew. I have the best crew in radio. Thank you.
Y'all make this show. Thank you. We'll see you later, folks. Bye.